SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. This week, as always, I'm joined by Stefan Chen. Hey, yo. What's your tagline? Why is it a pair of pants? Think about mm. it. <laughs> Sam Schultz has joined us as well. Hi. How are you finding TikTok these days? I don't haven't downloaded it yet. I'm not ready for that. And I feel <laughs> more and more obsolete as the days go by. And I see you talking about it. And I see Sari talking about it, especially Sari. Because <laughs> she's never known anything I haven't known until TikTok. <laughs> mm-hmm. How's that feel? <laughs> really bad. It legitimately feels horrible. I'm the youth so, yeah. coming for you, old man. What's your tagline? Brain, brain. Sari, hello. hello. Uh, now that you know about some music, what's your favorite TikTok song? Oh, I like the one. It's the meme where a lot of indigenous <laughs> folks do the dance to it, where it goes like, da, 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 Yeah, that one. I like that one a lot. It like brings me such joy. See, I hate this. Take that, Sam. And what's your tagline? Purples. And I am Hank Green, and my tagline is, there's a hole in my basement connected to poop. And to Uh, to, to get... Well, it's (laughs) kind of true for everyone. Yeah, but it's a direct connection in my basement. Uh You got sewer gas? 
Yeah, I had sewer gas. Mm. Did you figure it out? I did. I just shoved a, a shirt down the hole. So <laughs> no, fingers no. crossed that that'll no, work. No, that's right. Every week here on SciShow Tangents, we get together to try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts. We also will give a little bit of plumbing advice. We're playing for glory, but we're also keeping score and awarding sandbucks from week to week. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but judging by our previous conversations, we won't be great at that. So if the rest of the team deems your tangent unworthy, we'll force you to give up one of your sandbucks. So tangent with care, unless you're me, in which case, all bets are off, baby. I'm not winning this season. And now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem, This Week from Sam. You're asking me why I glow? Well, friend, I don't rightly know, because I'm just a wee insect. But, hmm, I'll give it a go. Here's the thing that I suspect. Two enzymes, they intersect. In my cute little rear end, and I think I am correct. That one is Luciferin, and the other I am Darren, to say is Luciferes, and combined they start barren. A green flash that, with some grace, tells predators, give us space, cause we aren't all that yummy. A flash could also showcase that we want to get chummy with a firefly honey. So there's my best guessin', <laughs> even though I'm a dummy. As to why my butt's fluorescent, my shiny ass is a blessin'. It helps me in expressin'. Thoughts my bug heads possessing. So the topic for the day is things that glow, of which fireflies is just one thing. Fireflies? Fireflies. And there is lots of glowing in nature, which is nice, because sometimes it's dark, and we need to bring the light to the darkness. Metaphor. New York uh, Times best-selling author, Hank Green, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you end a metaphor, yeah. you say metaphor. <laughs> That's the last lines of, of, uh, of yeah. the, the new one. Yeah, that was a sneak peek. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sari, what, what is glowing? I would define it as emitting light in some way. Mm. I was a little torn. But so does like a... Does like a a street lamp glow or does that shine or is that the same thing functionally speaking i think generating light yeah Mm. releasing photons i think too if you kind of glow you kind of have to like make light but like in a very sort of like comforting motherly way Mm -hmm. so like a street light can glow but it depends on my mood it depends on how it makes me feel so ah. would an anglerfish make light in a comforting motherly way and then just eat yeah. you? Yeah, because I'm comforted, so I'm swimming toward the light. Mm-hmm. And then I, yeah, like if it was if it was shining, I'd be like, mm, ah, my eyes. <laughs> so you would just say glow sticks are motherly? <laughs> are they soothing? I like to look at them. I, I don't usually associate them with comfort. Uh, yeah, that's party um, time glow. <laughs> yeah, like my yeah, like my my eighth hour of dancing at a rave is not like ah. Oh, that reminds hours? me of of being a of a, a bit little babe snuggled upon my mother as we <laughs> drift off to sleep. But maybe I don't know. How do you guys not rave? Is that just me? Am I the only raver I in that room? I've never raved. Uh, uh-uh, I obviously have never raved. Yeah, I haven't either. But, if we're being honest. Oh yeah. <laughs> I would say I, anybody here, you'd be most likely to rave. I think that's yeah, true. I probably got close a couple times. <laughs> well, what's glowing? We never even talked about it. I took the broadest possible definition. I looked at fluorescence and phosphorescence and luminescence, mm-hmm. and they're all just like emitting light in various ways, yeah. whether they absorb light at a different frequency 
or generated mm-hmm. through a chemical reaction mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like store yeah. it up and then re-emit it later Ooh, on in time. I love those ones, the store it up. <laughs> uh, it comes from the Proto-Indo-European root gel, which means to shine with derivatives that relate to bright materials and gold. Oh. All right, everybody. So I guess now that means it's time for... Which is the part of the podcast where I have brought in three facts, but only one of them is true. Mm. And the rest of you have to decide either by deduction or wild guess, which is the true fact. And you can play along at home at twitter.com slash scishowtangents, but make sure you listen to the facts first, because it won't make any sense if you don't otherwise. And I've brought in facts about Foxfire, which is not just what my in-laws call their web browser. It's also <laughs> the name of the glow of, of bioluminescent fungi that grow on decaying wood. And people have been noticing this glowing fungi for a long time, going all the way back to Aristotle, and I'm sure before that, but Aristotle described it as a cold fire. Over the centuries, people have found clever uses for this glowy fungus, including one of the following things that was used by Americans during the Revolutionary War. Fact number one, Betsy Ross stitched the stars of the first American flag with threads dipped in a mixture of bioluminescent mycelium, which made it so that they would glow when in the perfect darkness of the night, which everybody thought was really dope. Or fact number two, the compass on board the first wartime submarine, which, yes, happened during the American Revolution, was hard to see because it was dark in there, so they illuminated it with foxfire. Or number three, members of the Culper Spy Ring, which which was also a real thing during the Revolutionary War, would place a small batch of foxfire to signal that a house was a safe house so that uh, members would know where they could find safety, even in the middle of the night. So we have uh, these three facts. Betsy Ross made the stars of the flag glow, or we used it to make the compass and the first wartime submarine glow, or it was used to mark safe houses by the Culper Spy Ring, a ring of intelligence agents that operated around New England. And true or false, those are re- that's real. Those are real? That's a real spy ring? Yeah, that's a okay. real, that's a real spy ring. <laughs> okay. There was a real flag. There was a real submarine. All those things were real. There was a real, real first American flag, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I cannot believe that the first one would have glow-in-the-dark stars and every other one would not have glow-in-the-dark stars after. Well, <laughs> That's too good of an idea. It's, maybe it wasn't widely available. I don't know. Yeah, it maybe a pain in the butt. Also, there are definitely flags with glow-in-the-dark stars. Yeah, I bet you can get those on Amazon. Should. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason not to. The other thing to notice is that this wouldn't be a forever effect. It would just be right, sort of right. a temporary oh. thing. I don't know anything about these mushrooms, but how long would it last? Maybe it would, uh, maybe you they can't glow even while the they're alive. So the right. glowing is part of their metabolism. Okay. Um, and then, so as they, as they die and their metabolism starts to slow down. And, mm. and I don't know how long, but I know that it's like, I think it's like days. You just missed the flag a little bit. Keep them nice and moist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the submarine, though, what do they, are they rowing? How, do, how does the submarine work? <laughs> I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. It's like uh, how it was powered. Your legs yeah. stick out the bottom. Yeah. And just on the bottom they got flippers yeah. on. <laughs> What's the third? Oh, the, the, the spies. Spy that ring. one seems pretty reasonable but everyone would know that it glows like anyone walking by will be like oh that's a weird glowy thing (laughs) but you wouldn't know 
that it was marking the spy houses. You'd just be like, cool fungus, dude. Not knowing that you are talking to the leader of the, the spy ring. Is it a common fungus? It is apparently fairly common. Mm. Okay. Because there's not here. Do they have glowy fungus in Montana? Or is this an know. East Coast thing? Well, it's also wherever Aristotle was. Ah. <laughs> where, where was Aristotle? I actually don't know. <laughs> I, somewhere around that, you know. Yeah. Where all the area. smart guys were from back Italy, then. Italy, Greece, something yeah. like that. Would they have to cultivate the fungus? I, can you tell us anything? Like, did they just like pick they, a tree that had fungus in it and then bring it back to their house? Or did they like bring the fungus and then grow it outside their house? They they would have to gather it and then put it in, in a place. Mm. Got it. The other thing about this fungus is that it often doesn't glow particularly brightly. Like it's not going to be like right up in your face that like, look at this guy's okay. like glowing door. Mm. You'd have to be paying a fair amount of attention to notice right. the glow. Right. Sarah, you pick <sighs> first. No, I want to go last. But you're so oh. smart. Sarah <laughs> maybe knows something. Yeah, uh, I may I, or may not have suggested a fact for my fact off, and then Caitlin was like, you're already talking about this. Uh, I will go with the spy houses. I will go with the submarine Ooh. for similar reasons as Sari. Oh, no. Oh. I'm going to go Wait. with the submarine, no. too. <laughs> God dang it. <laughs> I tried to do the submarine like a year ago for, oh. for some different episode, but I couldn't find enough to make it a whole fact off. Perfect right. torf, though. Yeah. So um, this was potentially suggested by Benjamin Franklin, who actually apparently used Foxfire to read at night because like candles were like dirty and that was good for being used in the submarine because the submarine was made out of wood. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> made out of tarred wood, which sounds pretty flammable to me. But also because there's only so much oxygen in there and you don't want to be sharing it with flames. Right. It was like it was like a piece of wood with the fungus still in it. So the fungus was still like thriving oh. on that wood. And then he, he would like hold it up to the compass and the barometer to see oh. how deep he was oh. and which direction he was going in to try and plant bombs on the side of other ships, which never worked. And he was eventually captured. His obituary said, the uh, the pilot of this craft was, this officer is the only man of which it can be said that he fought the enemy upon land, upon water, and under the water. <laughs> <laughs> And the submarine, I don't know if I told you, was called the Turtle, which is a really good name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but wait, did they, how was it propelled? Did they have like a steam engine in there in a wooden boat? I couldn't tell you. How, I think you have a little bicycle. I think we have a little bicycle in there that like that worked a, oh. a, a a screw or whatever. No, no, it had oars that oh, were wow. like had seals between the oars. And so he would like turn the oars no, we and, and then turn them and push yet. the oars. Yeah, so there's like oars sticking out of the side of the turtle with like rubber seals on the end of them so oh, that water wouldn't here. leak in. I can't believe this guy survived. <laughs> <laughs> I would have used up all my oxygen just trying to like row the oars yeah, and getting yeah. tired. <laughs> <laughs> this is so bad. No, no, I'm wrong. They did it wasn't yeah. it wasn't oars. This picture definitely shows oars sticking out of it, but this this picture of uh, of a model of it shows that there are pedals that you push mm. that turn a propeller. Okay. And I don't know how he was supposed to deliver a bomb with this thing. He would go above the water and he had a little like, he had a bomb with like a screw 
on it and he would like put it into the side of the boat. But then what I read oh. was that he went to the boat and the boat had metal plating on it and he couldn't do it. So uh. then he just went home. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a safety weight in the bottom so that you're so it doesn't turn upside down <laughs> which would be bad uh and foxfire the reason it's called foxfire is not because of the animal but is the same root as the word false so it's like fire but not real oh. false fire there was a restaurant in my hometown that was called Foxfire, and everyone knew that that's where you went if you wanted to meet older ladies who had money. Wow. <laughs> 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 Did you go and meet an older lady? No, but you could see it from the freeway because they had like a fire on the roof of the, the restaurant going all the time. You always know if you need to, to get out of your life, you can always go meet an old lady there. <laughs> Uh, wow. Um, I would love to see Ben Franklin's reading apparatus with the Foxfire, though. It wasn't a reading apparatus. It was just a log with some fun- <laughs> That's fungus on it. That's, that's gross. Yeah, that's an what apparatus. I think so. There's nothing wrong with a stick. Sticks aren't gross. He said a mushroomy stick next to his bed. He was dedicated. He needed to read. He needed to stay ahead of the competition. I guess. So. I don't know who the competition is, but whoever Ben Franklin's competition is, I'm sure he was a pretty competitive guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Betsy Ross thing was pretty much a lie. Like, there have been people who have used Foxfire for decorative purposes before, and they didn't even necessarily... I don't even know if they had safe houses for this spy group. Mm. I just read about the spy group. <laughs> it was all lies. That's disappointing. But you could probably figure out how to make an American flag glow if you wanted to sell that product on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll leave, that, I'll leave that to the listeners. Next up, we're going to take a short break, and then it'll be time for the Fact Off. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Miriam Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster... (laughs) Use some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand, the only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora... Ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. 
It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 plus Manuka honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's manukora.com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome back, everybody. Sam Buck totals. I've got one. Sari's got one. And Sam has two. And how many does Stefan have? None. Stefan has zero. (laughs) Stefan's got nothing. (laughs) All right. And now it's time for the fact off. Two panelists have brought science facts presented to the others in an attempt to blow their minds. We each have a Sam Buck to award to the fact that we like the most. And to decide who goes first, I've got a trivia question for you. Milky sea effect, or mareal, is when large areas of seawater glow thanks to bioluminescent dinoflagellates. The largest Milky Sea area ever documented covered how many square kilometers of ocean surface? Hint, they used satellite data to figure this out. (laughs) I'm going to say 3,000... 200 kilometers, square kilometers. Oh, okay. I'm going to say 100,000. Oh, wow. I, I don't know why. That's Now that I've said it, it seems like way too big, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but let's go. <laughs> the answer is 15,400 oh. square kilometers. Well, so Sari so, is closer. Just barely. I will go first. So there's a lot of philosophical and biological debate about what death looks like in organisms. It's basically a systemic breakdown and shutdown or degradation of cells. But in one species, the roundworm C. elegans, there's a surprisingly obvious marker of their passing called death fluorescence. Mm. Basically, under UV light, a compound called anthranilic acid fluoresces bright blue. It's produced by little granules throughout the worm's gut, and we're not entirely sure what the gut granules do. 
as organelles, but there are just a lot of them and they make this glowy thing. And so when C. elegans dies, whether it's because of a lethal injury or peaceful old age, the cell death starts at one end, usually the front, and propagates to the other over several hours. And this wave of death is started by a flood of calcium ions, triggers processes that burst cells, and explodes those little gut granules. Mm. So under UV light, there's like a wave of blue fluorescence as the worm dies across its whole body. And having this clearly visual indication of death is just like wild. You can watch videos of it. And it can help us understand how cell death might propagate in more complex organisms, for example, humans, or as a clear indication of death in lab tests that involve measuring lifespan. These scientists experimented a little bit with this and were able to knock out proteins in the worm to stop the cell death wave because of injury, not because of old age. And so that could potentially be a first step in helping us develop medicine to stop necrosis from things like injury or infection or something damaging like that. So like reducing the amount of fatal injuries because we don't set off this cascade. So they stopped the cell death? Did the worm not die then? Yeah, it didn't die. I don't think it died as quickly. I think it died eventually because they <laughs> didn't, like, Frankenstein it. But <laughs> and here is a video. So I, I'm watching death spread throughout a worm. Yeah. It's, like, kind of kind of eerie if you're thinking oh, about yeah. it. It's like I'm watching these worms die. Uh. It makes me think that if people were able to see this centuries ago, for some reason, they shined UV light on these nematodes. This would be very, like, a poetic inspiration for thinking about death. It's like, ah, oh, we all glow blue and then <laughs> go dark. So, like, they die and then they start to glow? Yes, asterisk. When do you declare death is? So their cells are still vaguely functional, but then once mm-hmm. they all burst, then that's right. when they start glowing. So that's why I kept it kind of vague because I didn't feel like becoming a philosopher for this episode (laughs) of the podcast. So it's just like a wave of death generically. And you can interpret that to mean whatever you want. It may not be death, but it's definitely glowing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And after the glowing is done, it did. Stefan, what do you got for us? Uh, Okay. So some species of millipedes basically look identical to one another. You like you just couldn't tell them apart with using your own uh, stupid eyeballs, but you could use <laughs> DNA analysis to tell them apart. But that's kind of complicated. Uh, so researchers at the Field Museum in Chicago found that certain body parts of millipedes fluoresce under UV light. Specifically, their genitals glow different colors and in different oh. patterns that are unique to the species of millipede. The, these aren't really like millipede dicks. There's male millipedes have a whole near their second pair of legs where the bluish sperm liquid comes out. And then their seventh pair of legs are <laughs> adapted to transfer sperm. And so they like... Can I just make you pause and and tell you that you said bluish sperm liquid like I knew that already? (laughs) (laughs) You know, where their bluish sperm liquid comes out. (laughs) You don't know where it comes from, but everybody knows that that millipedes have bluish sperm liquid. That's what they call it. Clearly. So their seventh pair of legs are called gonopods, and they they like dip them in, in their sperm hole 
cover them in sperm and then they run around trying to find a mate. So the go- those gonopods have different features that are unique to the species. So there's like little spiky knobs or like bristly looking things. And under UV light, the differences are much easier to see between the different species. They They don't know why the millipedes evolved this because they can't, I guess millipedes don't have very good vision. They said they don't even know if millipedes can see color and they definitely can't see UV. But from imaging all these different gonopods, they were able to condense. They thought that in their collection they had 12 different species of millipede, but there were actually only eight. And so they were able to more accurately identify the specimens in their collection. I feel like it comes up a lot that people are like, we don't know why they have these glowy stripes on them because the animal can't see them. But it seems like the animal just must be able to see them. And (laughs) they're lying to us. Or they just don't know what the animal can see. Apparently, we don't really know much about millipede sex either because they do it in the ground. And if you take them out of the ground or put them in the lab, like they don't do it. So, oh, no. Well, and if they do it in the ground, then it's extra hard to see anything. Yeah. That's the hardest place to see anything of all places, I'd say. You didn't really have me until I found out that they didn't just glow, they glow different colors. (laughs) Oh, color and light is very weird, you guys. I feel sad that we can't see more of it. Like, yeah. Like, we can't yeah. see scorpions glowing and stuff. Seems like that would be useful to us. <laughs> we can with a little bit of help. Well, I know, but yeah. I want to see them without help. I want to know they're coming. I feel like I would get a headache if I was like a bee, if I had bee eyes where everything glowed <laughs> intensely. Yeah. I wouldn't want to look at flowers. I like flowers now. So Wait, like, can bees get headaches? All right. I don't know. Okay, nobody <laughs> I knows. I have no idea. I'm not even going to try to answer Nobody it knows. Because someone who actually knows things about animals will come after me. So, it is now time for us to vote on our favorite fact. Are you guys ready? Three, two, one. Stephen. Sari. Mm, okay. I just liked a lot. Of, his presentation style was great. He was waving his arms <laughs> around a lot. It was really doing it for me. Wow. You got to do a little bit. The, the subjectivity <laughs> is just getting out of hand. I see. Yeah. This this audio podcast <laughs> needs a visual component during well, recording. Well, you should have seen him. He was yeah. doing a hell of a job. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time to ask the science couch. We've got a listener question for our virtual couch of finely honed scientific minds. This is from at great pretending. Does putting a glow stick in the freezer actually make it, quote, last longer? And if so, why? I mean, I assume yes, because it slows down the reaction, whatever the reaction is that's producing the light. Mm-hmm. There has to be some kind of ongoing chemical reaction that is releasing that energy and the molecules will hit each other less frequently if they are moving less quickly. Yeah, they'll hit each other less frequently and also with less with energy. Less speed, yeah. Yeah, in the collision, which means that there's like less likely for something to happen. They got to hit hard. Does it glow less brightly as well? Yes. Mm-hmm. So if you want to if you want to save up your glow stick for like, you know, tomorrow's rave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can have a diminished glow stick for tomorrow. Yeah. It's like once it warms up, I guess it might it might start glowing good again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just like compared to the temperature. So like they'll it, while it's cold, the reaction will be going slower and it will be glowing less good. But if you heat it back mm-hmm. up again, then it'll be glowing hot and bright for as long as the reaction progresses. And it's nice because, like, then your glow sticks are all cold, so you start dancing, and you're hot, Ooh. and you put your cold glow sticks on your body, put them in your mouth because wow. you like to, I don't Probably know. shouldn't put them in your mouth. 
Should you? I feel like you shouldn't put them in your mouth. <laughs> That's what I want. Okay, so like the kids would crack them open and like uh-huh. fling them at you. Was that really bad? It's not oh. horrible. It's not like you cyanide or anything. The, okay. the things inside in the big part of the tube is biphenyl oxalate and some sort of dye that colors it neon. And mm-hmm. then the little oh. like crackly sound is there's usually mm-hmm. a small glass cylinder filled with hydrogen peroxide, which is something you might have in your medicine cabinet. It's really good at like removing blood stains. Um, <laughs> okay. I realize that that's like a serial killer kind of thing to say. I don't know. Some people have periods and you bleed all over. So <laughs> suck up that laughter. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that's the reaction that happens is um, biphenyl oxalate gets oxidized by hydrogen peroxide, which produces a bunch of different compounds, including one that is unstable, that decomposes into carbon dioxide and releases energy, which the dye absorbs so that electrons get excited and then Mm. fall back to their less excited state and release photons. And so like the chemicals that you're spraying on people are like hydrogen peroxide, biphenyl oxalate, just like minor irritants, but... I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like it won't. So don't take a bath. It yeah, it's, it's like du- it's dilute hydrogen peroxide. Yeah. Is the crackle like little, um, little chambers that you're breaking, or mm-hmm. what? Okay. I think it's one, just one chamber of like one cylinder of hydrogen peroxide. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and then like, it, you can break it a bunch of times, but you only need to break it once. Ah, uh, I love breaking it a bunch of times. <laughs> Yeah, it comes out faster that way. Oh my! Breaking it a bunch of times will also speed up the reaction because you'll just like have more points of contact Mm -hmm. uh, instead Mm -hmm. of like just having one. Mixes faster. Tips, (laughs) tips for the rave. Mm -hmm. You always come to SciShow Tangents for your rave tips. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to ask the Science Couch your question, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShow Tangents, where we'll tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to at Tangential Otter, at Rebecca Rebeck4, and everybody else who tweeted us your questions for this episode. Final scores. It's a tie game between Sari and Sam. Mm. Stefan and I come in and last sharing it with one point each, which means... That Stefan is still in He's the still lead. Strong. Still in Rats. the lead. And uh, Sari and, and Sam are two and three points behind, respectively. And I am uh, nine <laughs> points behind. <laughs> if you like this show and you want to help us out, it's easy to do that. You can leave us a review wherever you listen. That helps us know what you like about the show. And it helps other people know that our show is good because we want more people to listen to it. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly why. There are business reasons. There are personal reasons. It just makes uh, me but feel we good, do, too. Yeah. We do, however, love all of our SciShow Tangents listeners. And uh, it's such a joy to have you be here to listen to our voices so thank you for being those folks we love we love it thank you so much if you want to tweet out your favorite moment from the show you could do that too and finally if you want to show your love for tangents just tell oh, people yeah. about us thank you for joining us i've been hank green i've been sari riley i've been stefan chin and i've been sam schultz sideshow tangents is a co-production of complexly and the wonderful team at wnyc studios it's created by all of us and produced by caitlin hoffmeister and sam schultz who also edits a lot of these episodes with, along with hiroko matsushima our social media organizer is paula garcia prieto our editorial assistant is deboki chakravarti our sound design is by joseph tuna medish and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on patreon thank you and remember The mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. 
But one more thing. Glowing butt fact! Glowing butt fact. There's a lot of glowing butts. A lot of bugs have glowing butts, mm. including mm. glowworms, which aren't worms, oh. but the larvae of certain types of Australian fungus gnats. They live on the ceilings of caves in what the University of Melbourne describes as chandelier-like webs that consist of several snare lines covered in sticky mucus. And to lure their food into these snare webs in the dark caves, they light up their butts and they trick nocturnal insects into flying towards them and getting stuck, just like how a moth does... Uh, to a porch light, basically. And bonus butt fact, they don't poop. What? All their waste is, uh, air quotes, excreted as light. What? <laughs> you don't believe me? You don't believe the University of Melbourne, then? Bringing up with them, huh? <laughs> they gotta poop at some point. Maybe once they turn into bugs. No, when Maybe, they turn yeah. into bugs, they don't have an <clears throat> anus, and so they just have to live fast, oh, die young, because they can't right. poop. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like... Yolo, but with no poop. You only, you only poop yo, yopo. <laughs> <laughs>